stop for Radio DePaul, your Chicago college connection. taken my selection of tracks look a little bit more closely. But, of course, that's all in the eye of the beholder. Last show could have been great, and this could have been terrible. And last show could have been terrible, and this could be great. Or they're both terrible. Or they're both great. It is not up to me. It is up to me to play music.
place full of life, with mountains and streams, vibrant forests, creatures of all kinds, and us. We have one Earth. It is our provider, supporting us with its riches. A landscape of wonder, always there, always giving. We have one Earth, yet she is being abused, those creatures disappearing. Her air polluted, her water drying up, her soil depleted. We have only one earth, and soon there will be nothing left of it. A barren land stricken with disease, violence, the giver of life having given it all. Unless we, cause of earth's strife, act now. 
Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Radio DePaul, your Chicago college connection, and this is Avant Garbage, Episode 5, and this is your host, John Henry Reynolds. I would say we had a very successful half hour. First half hour, done. We ended it with Beach Boys, and I had this genius idea. And I executed it, and only afterwards I was like, maybe, maybe it was too much. I'm referring, I'm referring to, of course, the uh, getting very quiet, and then not realizing how loud the Beach Boys would be. Hmm. Very odd. I'm currently playing to you in the background here. Just a, a tape. I don't know what it is. It was given to me. But here it is. It's a tape. And it's something. It's clearly someone recorded it themselves. As you just heard by the last tape cutting out. I wonder what will come of it. Hopefully it's entirely lyricless. Hmm. Well, I have another half hour planned for you. By planned... You know what I mean. Planned. What comes next? I know.
Central London Hatchery and Conditioning Centre. And in a shield, the world state's motto, community, identity, stability. The enormous room on the ground floor faced towards the north, cold for all the summer beyond the panes, for all the tropical heat of the room itself. A harsh, thin light glared through the windows, hungrily seeking some draped lay figure, some pallid shape of academic gooseflesh, but finding only the glass and nickel and bleakly shining porcelain of a laboratory. Winfiness responded to Winfiness. The overalls of the workers were white, their hands gloved with a pale, corpse-colored rubber. The light was frozen, dead. Only from the yellow barrels of the microscopes did it borrow a certain rich and living substance, lying along the polished tubes like butter, streak after luscious streak in long recession down the work tables. And this, said the director, opening the door, is the fertilizing room. Bent over their instruments, 300 fertilizers were plunged as the director of hatcheries and conditioning entered the room in the scarcely breathing silence, the absent-minded, soliloquizing hum or whistle of absorbed concentration. A troop of newly arrived students, very young, pink and callow, followed nervously, rather abjectly, at the director's heels. Each of them carried a notebook in which, whenever the great man spoke, he desperately scribbled, straight from the horse's mouth. It was a rare privilege. The DHC for Central London always made a point of personally conducting his new students round the various departments. Just to give you a general idea, he would explain to them. For of course some sort of general idea they must have, if they were to do their work intelligently, there was little of one if they were to be good and happy members of society as possible. For particulars, as everyone knows, make for virtue and happiness. Generalities are intellectually necessary evils. Not philosophers, but fret sawyers and stamp collectors compose the backbone of society. Tomorrow, he would add, smiling at them with a slightly menacing geniality, You'll be settling down to serious work. You won't have time for generalities. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, it was a privilege. Straight from the horse's mouth into the notebook, the boys scribbled like mad. Tall and rather thin, but upright, the director advanced into the room. He had a long chin and big, rather prominent teeth just covered when he was not talking by his full, floridly curved lips. Old? Young? Thirty? Fifty? Fifty-five? It was hard to say. And anyhow, the question didn't arise. In this year of stability, AF 632, it didn't occur to you to ask it. I shall begin at the beginning said the DHC, and the more zealous students recorded his intentions in their notebooks. Begin at the beginning. These, he waved his hand, are the incubators. And opening an insulated door, he showed them racks upon racks of numbered test tubes. The weak Had supply we of over kept, he explained, this at blood heat, no whereas the male gamey and, and here he opened another door, 
They have to be kept at 35 instead of 37. Full blood heat sterilizes. Rams wrapped by the tide of humble against no land. I would love you still ten years against the inky blinders. He gave them, you should, while the pencils scurried illegibly across the pages, a brief description of the modern fertilizing process. But first, of course, of its surgical introduction. And more the operation undergone and voluntarily for the good of society. Not to mention the fact and that it carries a bonus amounting to six months' salary. To adore each Continued with some but account of the technique for preserving the excised ovary alive and actively developed. Passed on to a consideration of optimum temperature. Salinity, viscosity. You deserve Refer to the litter in which the detached and ripened eggs were kept, and leading his charges to the work tables, actually showed them how the litter was worn off from the test tube, how it was let out drop by drop onto the specially warm slides over microscopes, and the eggs which it contained were inspected for abnormalities, counted and transferred to a porous receptacle. How? And now you came to test operation. This receptacle is immersed in a warm bouillon containing three swimming spermatozoa at a minimum then concentration of 100,000 per cubic centimeter. And how, after 10 minutes, and the container was lifted out of the liquor and its contents had been examined. And if the eggs remained unfertilized, it was again immersed. And the rest How the fertilized ovum back to the incubator, where the alphas and betas remained until not definitely bottled. While gammas, deltas, and epsilons were brought out again. Only 13,000 to undergo Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's process. Bokanovsky's and every bag will grow into a perfectly tall ambition. Every embryo into a full-sized body, making 96 yards
On the nature of the intellectual principle, we get light from its manifestations. They show that it demands such diversity as is incompatible with being a nomad. Take what principle you will, that of plant or animal, if this principle were pure unity and not specifically varied thing, it could not so serve as a principle. Its product would be matter, and the principle not having taken all those forms necessary, its matter is to be permeated and utterly transformed. A face is not one mass. There are nose and eyes, and the nose is not a unity, but difference which makes it a nose. As their unity, it would be mere mass. There is infinity in the intellectual principle, since of its very nature it is a multiple unity. Not with the unity of a mass, but with that of a reason principle, multiple in itself. In the one intellectual design, it includes within the powers and intellections. The division is not determined by boundary, but goes ever inward. This content is held as the living universe holds the natural forms of living creatures in it, from the greatest to the least down even to the minutest powers where there is a halt at the individual form. The discrimination is not an item huddled with a sort of unity. It is what is known as the universal sympathy. Not, of course, the sympathy I know here, which is a copy and prevails amongst things in separation. That authentic sympathy consists all being a unity and never discriminate. Discrimination, we read, is the mode of the physical universe. Episode 5. I made myself a bit of a promise that I wouldn't backsell anything. But I will backsell that that was in fact Plotinus you just heard being read to you. And you're welcome. I will see you next Thursday. Before I leave, I have... This 45 that I picked up, just blindly, don't know if it's good or not, but the only place I have a turntable to play it is at this very station, so get excited. Στην άκρη τη ζωή, 
το τέρι μου, βρήκα τα στέρι μου που είχε χαθεί στη νυχτιά. Βρήκα το τέρι μου, βρήκα τα στέρι μου που είχε χαθεί στη νυχτιά. Στον δικό μας ουρανό η αγάπη κυβερνά. Καταστέρι μου που είχε χαθεί στη νυχτιά Βρήκα το τέρι μου, βρήκα τα στέρι μου που είχε χαθεί στη νυχτιά Στον δικό μας ουρανό η αγάπη κυβερνά Radio DePaul. 